Welcome to Prajna Sparks, a podcast where we listen to a Dharma talk, contemplate with our minds and in our hearts, and engage in guided meditation. In this episode, we explore humility. Please take a moment to like, follow, and review our podcast. This is the best possible offering as it helps us reach new listeners. This is not mine. This I am not. This is not myself. This is a refrain that the Buddha Shakyamuni uses in his discourses to give us a way to examine different aspects of our experience and investigate to what extent it is mine, me, myself. This is a very huge topic which refers to anatman, a Sanskrit word which means non-self, things that are not the self. The Buddha uses this in many different contexts, and it's actually a really useful tool to work with in the context of the different turbulent emotions that might take us over from time to time. We might be very full of ourselves because we've done very well at work or at school, or we might be very discouraged for the opposite reasons. But those experiences which are so troubling in one way or another, are not mine. I am not that. They are not myself. This is a wonderfully useful practice, and it has wide-ranging scope. None of it works without humility. From the perspective of the Kagyu lineage of Tibetan Buddhism, humility is really vital from the very start of the path. Now, if we've been practicing for 20 years and we don't think we have much humility, it's not to say that those 20 years are wasted. The start is any moment you want to start. So today, this moment, is a moment where you can start on this path of incorporating humility into your practice. So what is humility? Why is it important? And what is humility not referring to? It's not referring to putting yourself down. It's not referring to seeing ourselves in a negative way or in some kind of servile way. It is referring to having the honesty and the clear sight to recognize that in comparison to all that we could be, given the true nature of our mind, all that the arhats, the bodhisattvas, the mahasiddhas, and the buddhas have accomplished. We're not quite there yet. One way to think of humility does relate to a sense of how much more we could be, how much more others are showing us as role models, as examples of our own nature we could express without impediment. It's that recognition of being in a place where we have much we can receive, much we can learn, a great deal 
of space to extend ourselves. In Tibetan Buddhist texts, it's very common for authors who are extremely learned, extremely well-regarded, realized masters to begin with a verse of praise or homage that highlights the much greater qualities of the Buddhas, the Bodhisattvas, their own teachers. This is often followed by a verse that expresses their intent in composing the text, which typically involves a statement, something like, I don't really know a whole lot about this, but I am happy to share what I have for the sake of others. This is not a false modesty, pretending to believe yourself to be less than you are or putting yourself down. It's the clear sight that happens when you see how much you can accomplish and have not yet been able to do so. That humility is what brings us to the ground. It takes us from very highfalutin, lofty ideas of ourselves and our lives and brings us down to the ground, our feet on the earth, walking right where we are, rather than taking up a pretense. This is not surprising if we consider this word humility, which of course is related to humble. It's also related to humus, the organic portion of soil reflecting one of its root meanings of ground or earth. This is another one of the words that shares a root with Sanskrit, ksham, which also means earth, among other things associated with that meaning, such as to bear, to hold up, and so forth. This is the sense that humility is intended to bring up. This is the humility of earth. Earth does not rise up to be the sky, nor does it sink in shame in comparison to the sky. Similarly, the sky does not diminish itself, nor look down in disdain on the earth. They each hold their place, as they are, with honor, integrity, and dignity. That is humility very difficult to be all that our true nature is if we're not inhabiting our actual place. When we do, and we connect with the teachings of the Buddha, we often find awe. Oh my goodness, how incredible. What an achievement they've attained. How wonderful it would be to be in that place. This is a kind of reverence. Reverence is aimed at a being such as, for example, His Holiness Dalai Lama, who we may find awe-inspiring for his kindness, his simplicity, and his light heart, despite the many challenges that he and the Tibetan people face. The reverence is directed towards His Holiness Dalai Lama, for example, and the flip side of that reverence, the humility. Oh, I've not gotten to that level yet. And that humility and reverence 
is held in a very accommodating way. It's not about he's good, I'm bad. He's a saint, I'm a sinner. It's more the sense of look how much he's expressing the true nature that we both share. Humility in this way is very inspiring. It catalyzes us to engage our life in a way that allows us to expand into all that we can be and to soften the places where we know we're a little bit edgy, a little sharper than we would like for ourselves, and so forth. Humility is also really important when we're starting to work with some of the more intricate teachings of the Buddha. I mentioned Anatman, non-self, which definitely has shades of it already in the space of humility when we realize that the idea we create of this is me, this is mine, this is myself, is so warped, so distorted with respect to reality. There's this sense of humility that's born right out of that realization. Then we can look, for example, at the teachings of the Buddha with respect to interdependence, the interconnection we have with all beings, with all that exists, the interconnection of all things with all else. It's difficult to have a sense of radical kinship, which is what interdependence is talking about if we don't first have a sense of humility, if we occupy all the space there is, what room is there for connecting interrelationship with all that exists? That room, that space, that willingness to learn, to receive, to love, is another way of understanding humility. When we get to the teachings of the Vajrayana, the secret mantra teachings that involve particular visualizations and understandings of a meditational figure, without humility, it's very difficult to step into those practices with any meaning. We need to empty out ourselves if we're going to receive the presence of the meditational figure the suffering of others, the call for help, the Buddha's instruction to look at our own mind, our own heart, and find to what extent this is not mine, this I am not, this is not myself. Another practice that is very near and dear to my heart and very common in Tibetan Buddhism is prostrations. You may have seen images of practitioners doing full body prostrations where they completely prostrate themselves on their belly before a teacher, a stupa, a statue, or what have you, many, many times. There are practices where you repeat this as much as a hundred thousand times or more. There is also in Tibet a tradition of pilgrimage where Practitioners traverse extensive distances doing prostrations every few steps of the way. This may seem extreme, 
it may seem fanatical. This is not mine. This I am not. This is not myself. Can you give yourself some distance from that opinion, that judgment, and look at, well, why might somebody do this that's nourishing, positive, and not within the scope of my understanding? That's humility right there. The willingness to step down from the pedestal of knowing so much and receiving the experience of another to see what we can gain from them, what we can learn from them. As it happens, prostrations is a highly regarded practice for flattening out pride, arrogance. This too, of course, is directly related to humility. I heard a teacher once say that she often gets questions when she comes to the U.S. from people saying, well, do I really have to do those prostrations? Does it have to be so many? And Rinpoche says, most of the people who come to me with that question really need to do prostrations. In the Kagyu lineage, as in all the Buddhist heritages practiced throughout the millennia in Asia, faith and devotion are very key aspects of how we open, become more receptive, and actually connect with the inspiration and the power of realized beings. This can sound magical, hokey, and any number of other words to the contemporary mind. This is not mine. This I am not. This is not myself. All of these are wonderful invitations to encourage humility, to connect to the heart of vulnerability that we all share, and to allow ourselves to look up to all the beings there are, to all the beauty of the world and of the universe, and receive from them, learn from them, engage in the beautiful, whole cloth of interconnection that humility allows us to access. And it all begins. This is not mine. This I am not. This is not myself. some seeds for your contemplation over the coming week. Feel free to ask us any questions via email, Instagram, or Facebook. Links are in the episode notes. If you really get that the true nature of mind, any mind, every mind, is Buddha, awakened and enlightened, why wouldn't you prostrate to anything, everything, that manifests that. Why wouldn't you want to see that everywhere you go? Now, there may be a lot of personal reasons, not just physical ones, but emotional ones, 
transgenerational ones, cultural ones, that impose an obstacle to prostrations, homage, chanting, or any other practice that makes us feel uncomfortable, puts us on the spot, hurts our pride. The discomfort that can accompany humility often brings great rewards when we work with it instead of pushing it away and pushing away whatever has made us uncomfortable. We might, for example, look into where is that coming from? What is making me so rigid that I cannot bend? Literally, cannot bend. How might this impact my path? What does this inflexibility symbolize? in other aspects of my life and my spiritual practice. All of these questions come about from a space of humility. You don't ever get there if you're just discounting people, practices, and things that you don't like, that make you uncomfortable, and that you want to white out. This very opposite of humility is hubris, the overweening arrogance that insists that we know better, that our take is right, that others, including the Buddha, our spiritual teachers, masters of other traditions, have nothing to teach us. Be sure to join us again on the quarter moon as we discuss listener questions about humility. And stay tuned now for a guided meditation with Lama Zopa. Shivni is our Tibetan singing bowl artist. Please take a moment to like, follow, and review our podcast. This is the best possible offering as it helps us reach new listeners. Thank you so much. It means a lot to us. If you have any questions, contact us via email, Instagram, or Facebook. Check the episode notes for those links and for more resources on today's topic. Visit us on the web at prajnafire.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at prajnasparks. Thank you for listening. May all beings benefit. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Meditation on Humility. To begin with, let's just take our seat. Really feel the cushion or the ground or whatever is beneath you. And feel your posture. Pay a little attention to the energy that your physical stance evokes for you in this moment. Take a moment to arrive here and now. So as we're looking with the space of humility, where we are not so compulsively, obsessively focused on this small, tight, limiting concept that we call myself, and instead are more open 
to the everyday wonder that surrounds us, that we are an integral part of. What an amazing space to be in. What an amazing thing to cultivate in our lives. We're going to work with that a little bit today. Humility allows us to engage with our immediate experience in this moment. It helps us release the pressure of perfectionism. Humility actually goes against our incessant self-judgment and all the anxiety that that can bring to us in our minds as we try to be good, better, successful, knowledgeable, to hold on to the things that we've done or accomplished and not lose them, to not be bad, to not make mistakes. All of this drives us so hard. And humility actually helps us by allowing us to step outside the duality of self-concept. To step outside those shifting sands of thinking, of chasing after being great, not terrible, a success, not a failure, being good, not bad. Humility steps outside of the duality of all that self-conception and into a space where we can be in flow with experience, where we can just be present. So let's get to the practice. To begin with, let's do a little tranquility meditation, shamatha, just to settle in. Turn your attention to your breath or to any focal object that feels appropriate and conducive to one-pointed attention for you at the moment. The breath or the focal object is just something to help us rest our attention on in a relaxed yet precise manner that helps us become aware Anytime we start to lose our focus and drift into thinking or thoughts or sleepiness or storylines or a dullness that doesn't really know what's going on, that isn't aware. By focusing on the breath or any other focal object, we just fine-tune our awareness to that point where it's very clear and alert, but not agitated not chasing after whatever crosses its field of vision. Let's practice like that for a couple minutes.
with humility, we start again and again. So practice being at the beginning, not knowing, letting go of our ideas of ourselves as a meditator or as a neophyte, someone who can't meditate, someone who has to get this right, or whatever other ideas and self-concepts around this meditation session in particular, this moment that we might have going on. And just allow yourself to be just as you are. Practice starting again and again, right here and now, in this space. Being is enough. No need to do. Take that in. Relax, naturally, at ease. Now let's turn to this other aspect of humility, reverence, this other way of working with it. Bring to mind the Buddha. Bring to mind all the lineage masters and practitioners who have perfected this being at ease with themselves and the world, with reality and with however things may appear. How amazing. They went from a state of confusion, a state of tight, rigid self-concept, and all the struggle to make things just right, a state we perhaps can recognize in ourselves. They went from that state of confusion, of ceaseless, endless striving, and went on to discover for themselves in themselves, the abiding nature, wise and free, unassailable by any circumstance or happening. What does it feel like for you to step into the space of reverence? If you are there, rest in it, take it in. Can you see, feel the longing for your own innate nature rise up to meet its reflection in these great beings?
And if you're not feeling the reverence, if there are blocks or hindrances or anger or frustration or boredom or doubt or anything of that sort coming up for you, just allow it. Don't worry. You don't have to drive yourself or push yourself so hard. You are too hard on yourself. Give yourself some kind attention and some space to just be. Just take this moment to just be. Thank you all so much for everything you do and everything you are. Let's close by sharing whatever goodness, whatever merit has come from this practice with all beings, ourselves included, so that all beings may achieve that abiding nature wise and free that we are all so desperately seeking and which is our very nature.